This week, I am going to tie it all together. This is our last week of our series called Blend, um, by understanding three easy steps on how we can blend Jesus in our everyday lives by following his recipe instead of relying on our own strength to just wing it, which could end in a disaster. We will never be able to accomplish what Jesus has for us if we try to do it on our own. So today, as we end our series on blend, I want to speak to you on the subject of recipe for disaster. Recipe for disaster. As we take a look at practical steps on how to blend our lives with Jesus. Who loves the word of God? You have your Bibles? Awesome. If you don't have your Bibles, it's okay. It's going to be on the screen. I'm going to be reading from Genesis chapter 3. Verses 1 through 8, and give some context behind the story. So this story takes place um, with Adam and Eve, of course, in the garden. And it demonstrates to us from the very beginning of time, we as humans have struggled with wanting to do things on our own. So it shows us that struggle. And we have relied on our own wisdom instead of trusting on God's perfect plan and his good recipe for our lives. So Genesis chapter 3 Verse 1 through 8 says this, Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, You must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. This idiot. I just... This, every time I read that scripture, I'm like, it just gets me every time. Like, stupid Satan. Man, no, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Then the woman saw the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard a sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Will you pray with me one more time? Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person that's in this room. I thank you, Lord, for the church not this building, not these four walls, but the church, every culture, every background that's represented in this room today. Father, I pray that as, as I speak your words, it would be your words and it wouldn't be mine. I get rid of any nerves, any anxiety, anything that would hinder me from preaching what you have to say. Father, I thank you that our ears are open and our hearts are open to receive what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right, so who in here loves to cook? Let's show of hands. Who in here loves to cook? All right, so who in here loves grandma's cooking? Like, you have a grandma that can just throw down in the kitchen. So I have a grandma, which is my dad's mom, and, um, and she's from Dayton, Ohio. Woo! Bree. <laughs> Anyone from Ohio in here? No, just Bree? Okay, all right. So Bree's super excited. But she's from Dayton, Ohio, and she can throw down in the kitchen. So every single time I would go to her house, I would always, you know, as, as a kid growing up and being around her, I'd always go and sit in the kitchen because literally she's retired. She's a retired lady now. So all she does is just cook, 
cook, cook, cook. That's all she does. She, her sisters come over, they cook, and we eat. It's just like I gain 10 pounds every single time I go visit her because it's like that's all we do is just sit around and we just eat. And so as a kid, I always go in the kitchen as she was cooking and just cooking up meals. But two of my favorite things still to this day that she cooks is fried chicken. Come on, somebody. Man, like my mouth is just watering just thinking about it. Fried chicken and strawberry shortcake. Those are my two favorite things that she always cooks. And so as a kid, I would always like be in the kitchen and when she'd be cooking those two things, I'd be like, Grandma, like, I want to know. I want to know how to cook that. I want to know how to make that. And she'd be like, uh-uh, honey, you ain't, you ain't going to make this. You, 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 I'm not going to teach you this recipe. And so she would never give me the recipe for, this, for, for fried chicken or strawberry shortcake. And she said, maybe when you get a little bit older, I'll give you the recipe. And so I ended up getting older and it came that time. And I remember that when she said that to me as a kid every single time I visit. And I finally called her. I had moved out of my parents' house, and I went to Bible college in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, I, I called her up one, one night. I was like, Grandma, like, I want to learn how to make that fried chicken. I said, can you finally give me the recipe? And she's like, okay, I'll, I'll give you the recipe. So I tried to make the recipe. But how many of you guys know that when you get a recipe from a grandma or anybody that's been making it for years, it's never the same? Like, you, can't, you can try to make it. You can try to, like, put every ingredient the same and make everything the same way, but it just never ends up working. Like, it's just like, I'm, it's not as good. It's like, it's not deep fried like there. You don't have that, that same thing. And so I had asked her, I was like, Grandma, I really want to know the recipe. And so she gave me the recipe. I tried to make it for my friends. Of course, it was okay, but it wasn't that good. But then in this moment, when I was preparing for the sermon, I started thinking about that. And I started thinking about how, why didn't I go to someone, like, why didn't I go and just get a cookbook, a random cookbook from from a store, or why didn't I just go and just ask my neighbor, hey, you know, can you give me this recipe? I asked my grandma specifically because I trusted in her ability to give me a recipe that was good and that was going to work. And so many times we are living our lives without any direction. We're living our lives without any direction and hoping that it doesn't end up in disaster. We follow someone else's recipe that can't be trusted, or we try to wing it by throwing random ingredients together and hoping that it works out. So today, as, we're in this, as I close out this, this blended series, I really want us to get three easy points, three easy points that we can go out today living this out and living a blended life with God. So I want you guys to shout number one. Number one, in order to live a blended life, we have to trust in his timing and rely on his promises. Trust in his timing and rely on his promises. I'm going to be reading from Genesis 21, verses 1 through 6. And to give some context to this story, God had promised Abraham and Sarah a child in their old age, but they had to wait for the promise to happen. Abraham and Sarah realized that God could be trusted and they could follow what he says. So Genesis 21, verses 1 through 6, it says this, the Lord came to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. So we see right there that the Lord came for Sarah and he did what he had said and he told her what he had promised. And Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the appointed time God had told him, Abraham named his son who was born to him, the one Sarah bore to him, Isaac. That's what his name was, was Isaac. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made me laugh and everyone who hears 
will laugh with me. This amazes me because when God told Abraham and Sarah that he was going to have a biological son of their own, at first it was hard for them to believe it. It was hard for them to really believe that they could have a son. And so sometimes waiting on the promise can be difficult because we want to materialize everything now. We live in this now generation, right, where everything's so quick to us. We can, we can do what we want. And in this moment, when I, when I was reading this, like we want to materialize everything now. So I started thinking about all the things like in my life that I want to materialize. Like I went back, you know, and I, I, when I was single, I wanted to be married. And then when you're married, you want to have kids and all these different things. And we try to just muster up these things and make these things happen. But what I love about this scripture in particular is that Abraham and Sarah waited on his timing and they trusted in his promise. I love the story because it shows when we wait on God's promises and his timing, it also goes beyond us. And I'm going to show you this in, in Genesis 17. Verse 17 through 19, it says this, Abraham bowed with his face to the ground and thought, I am almost 100 years old. I'm going to stop right there. Who in here, is anybody in here 100 years old? Is anybody in here 90 years old? Anybody 80? Yeah, so I was like <laughs> thinking about this. <laughs> and, and if God had told me that I was going to have a son when I was 100 years old, I'd be like, nah, not today. Not today. Everything's all shriveled up. There ain't nothing happening here. <laughs> ain't nothing happening here. There ain't no way I'm going to have a son. And so I just started laughing. I'm like, man, like, think about God. Like, God telling them they're going to have a son at 100 years old. And it, and it says in the word that, that Sarah was 90 years old. Who in here that is a woman would want to have a child give birth at 90 years old? None of you, right? Nobody. Nobody would want to do that. Of course, it's like, what? Who? Who would want to do that? So... Um, verse 17, Abraham bowed his face to the ground and thought, I am almost 100 years old. How can I become a father? And Sarah is 90. How can she have a child? So he started laughing. Then he asked God, why not let Ishmael inherit what you have promised me? And I didn't say this earlier, but we always try to put it, when, when, when the promise isn't happening for us, then we try to put it on someone else. We say, okay, Lord, like it's not happening in my life, so why don't you give it to so-and-so? It's not happening. I'm not feeling healing in my body, so um, why don't you give it to somebody else that needs it? We stop waiting on the promise. We stop trusting in him. But verse 19, 19 says, but God answered, no, you and Sarah will have a son. His name will be Isaac, and I will make an everlasting promise to him and his descendants. So I love this. When I'm following God's plan, when I'm walking in, in the things that he has called me to walk in, when I'm trusting in him, when I'm choosing to rely on him, it goes past me. It goes into my generation. So that means when I'm trusting in God and I'm walking in his will, I'm walking in his purpose, that it far exceeds my generation. It goes to my children. Then it goes to my children's children. Then it goes to my great-grandkids. It leaves a legacy. And so many of us are walking around. We're doing things on our own trying to make things happen, and we're not trusting in God. But when we trust in God, that's, that's our God. He's so good. When we trust in him, it goes well beyond what we can even fathom or imagine. When we're walking in his way, when we're walking in his will, when we're walking in his purpose, it goes well beyond what we could even imagine. So I love that. 
how God has said, no, you and Sarah will have a son. His name will be Isaac, and I will make an everlasting promise to him and his descendants. Somebody shout number two. In order to live a blended life, we have to wait for his answers and believe in his miracles. We have to wait for his answers and believe in his miracle. I'm going to be reading from Luke 18, 1 through 8. To give some context to this, this story, this is about the persistent widow. And Jesus told, told this story to his disciples about a woman who was persistent with what she wanted to see happen. She waited and she believed for a miracle to take place in her life. So watch what it says in Luke 18, 1 through 8. It says, now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. Pray when? Always. Say it again. Pray when? Always. Pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. Verse 4. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Verse 6. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? So he's asking her a question. Will he not grant justice to those who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Maybe the thing that Jesus is trying to get us to see in this story, in this passage of Scripture, is that we should always have a greater need for him than our miracle. We should always have a greater need for him than our miracle. A lot of times we say we want God, but we really want the miracle. A lot of times we, when we get the miracle, we just put God on a shelf only to pick him back up when we need him again, right? So maybe what he was trying to get us to see with her persistency is that she wanted him more than the miracle that was at hand. She desired a relationship with him more than the miracle that was at hand. I started thinking about this. I started thinking about things in my life. And really, like, this, this point really hit me because it showed me that, that even, like, we, we live this life and we're in this society as Christians sometimes, and, and we just go about our days every single day, and we just do this. We're just trying to do life. And we're praying for this thing to happen. We're believing God for a spouse. We're believing God for our marriage to be restored. We're believing God for healing in our bodies. We're believing God for our families to come to know Jesus, which all of that is great. That's awesome. But if we don't find ourselves seeking him, if we don't find ourselves loving on him daily, seeking his face, getting into the word, praying, asking him, being persistent with the things that he's called us to do, then we can lose sight. Even though God is a good God and he'll give us that miracle, he'll do those things. But then 
we just end up putting him back on the shelf. We just end up saying, okay, Lord, now that you did that miracle, I'm, kinda, I'm done with you. I'm, I'm going to put you on the shelf. I'm just going to go to church on Sunday, and I'm not going to, you know, listen to you or talk to you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and here we are back on Sunday. But what I love about this scripture is that this woman was so persistent in crying out to him, going after the thing that she wanted. What if we were as persistent with the things of God? What if we truly allow Jesus to invade all areas of our lives instead of doing things on our own? I love this series. And I know that this series has, it's been good, but it hasn't been like this hype, hype, hype train. You know, we've um, just been really just kind of just tackling. This has been more of like a teaching series, surgery series. And I love this series because to me, this is what we're missing. This is what we're missing. We're missing God being blended in our everyday lives. We're asking for those things to happen, but then we're missing the one component of, of praying, the one component of trusting him and waiting on his promise. And this time in our lives when we are waiting can be the most trying and difficult time. But what this widow shows is that when she was persistent in her waiting, God answered her prayer. So prayer is like waiting. Like you put something in the oven, it's the time it takes to make something complete. Many of us try to rush the process of God. If we don't pray or we just pray, sometimes even one time, it's like putting in something in the oven and never turning the oven on. When we just pray one time, it's like putting that thing in the oven. It's like putting those rolls or whatever you love to bake in the oven and never turning the oven on. You'll end up not having a meal. You'll end up not having something to eat, right? If you just put something in the oven and you don't turn the oven on, then nothing will happen. And so a lot of times we can come into church and we feel like, okay, well, I did my Sunday duty. I'm going to go back to my regular life. I'm going to live my regular life. And then things are happening in our lives that we're like, what? Where, where are you, God? Then we question, like, where are you, God? Where are you in this, in this situation? And God's asking, asking us, where are you? Where are you? I'm here. I've never left you. I'm here, but you have to choose to seek my face. And so this is a funny story. Um, This Christmas, we got um, an air fryer for Christmas. And um, at first, I was like, honestly, I was a little skeptical because I was like, air fryer, I just said, I I love deep fried chicken, like deep, (laughs) like I'm saying deep fried, like it needs to be battered, it needs to be in there. When it comes out, I need some grease to be dripping off of the chicken. (laughs) Amen? So... When we got this air fryer, my mother-in-law, because she's, my mother-in-law, I love her. She's so awesome, but she's like a health nut, you know, and my wife's vegan, so whatever. Um, so, <laughs> but we got this air fryer for Christmas, and um, I was like, I was a little skeptical of it at first. I was kind of excited, but I was skeptical. I'm like, nah, like, I don't think fried chicken's going to turn out really good in this. But we, we got home from, from Christmas, and um, we started using it like right away. I was like, okay, I'm going to see. I'm going to see if this chicken's going to taste the same. So I seasoned it how I normally do. I did everything normal, battered it, floured up, put my season in my flour, shook it up in the paper bag. Come on, somebody who knows fried chicken. Um, so I did all that stuff, and then I put it in the air fryer. And not going to lie, it, it doesn't taste the same, people, okay? So it does not taste the same, but it'll do. It'll do for a moment. It'll do for a moment, but it doesn't taste the same. But then my wife, we started cooking like all these different meals and stuff. And um, this last week, she made me Cajun tilapia. Yeah. 
in the air fryer. And so she was making the Cajun tilapia, and she was doing all this stuff, making, making dinner. Um, and, and so she puts all the, the Cajun tilapia in the air fryer. So she puts it in there, and she turns on the timer because it has this, this timer on the outside of it. And you can turn on the timer, and it'll just go like, like, just like a regular timer. It doesn't need to be plugged in or anything like that. So the timer will go off. And so she put on the timer for like 12 minutes or something like that. And so she put on the timer, and I'm like, okay, where is dinner at? Praise the Lord. I'm hungry. Like, I need to eat. And so the timer goes off, ding, and she pulls it out, and it was raw. And I was like, she's like, babe, it's raw. Like, what's happening? I'm like, babe, it's not plugged in. I was like, are you serious? I don't know what was happening. I mean, she's a mother, and she's a pregnant. But what I got in this moment is what's, what was happening. I'm like, babe, you have to plug it in. Like, it has to be plugged into the wall. But what I got in this moment is a lot of times we just put something in the oven, right? And that's like prayer. We just pray once but we never connect to the source. And once you plugged it into the source, then things begin to happen. My tilapia started cooking, right? And so I, I, looked, I looked at that with my life. I'm like, Lord, like I, once I plug into the prayer source, once I plug into everything that you have for me, things start happening in your life. Things start changing. That miracle you've been believing God for will happen. That your marriage should be your soul. Whatever you've been believing God for will happen, but we have to plug in. Somebody shout, plug in. We have to plug into the power source. So I loved it in that moment. That small picture of just plugging in, just plug into the power source. Rachel Conrad Walberg says this. It's a commentary on the widow. She says, unfortunately, many times we think that it is enough to know, that it's enough to pray, that it's enough to be concerned. But the widow shows us that we have to do. That is the true kernel of this story. And to do, we have to know. We have to have courage. We have to decide. And then we have to act. The widow acts out of moral strength and finds moral strength in acting. And I wasn't going to share this scripture, but I just felt pressed in my heart to share the scripture. Isaiah 40, 31. It's one of my favorite scriptures. And I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Bible. It says in verse 31, But those who wait on the Lord, but those who wait on the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in, will gain new strength. Somebody shout new strength. New strength. Will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings. Come on, somebody. They will lift up their wings and rise above, close to God like eagles rising towards the sun. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow old. And so this second component is the prayer component. In the waiting, we have to have action. I love this scripture because when I read this scripture years ago, I thought, okay, those that wait on the Lord, so I'm just going to lay down and wait. Like, that's it. I'm here. Like, I'm going to wait on God. That's, that's it. I'm just going to lay down. Like, God, like Pastor Jason was saying last week about the concept of rest, we just think that it's just laying down and getting a few more hours of sleep. But when I, when I read the scripture again, years later, I found out that waiting is action. Waiting is being intentional with our thoughts. It's being intentional with our prayers. It's being intentional with everything that we're doing. And so I love how it says this, but those who wait on the Lord, who expect. I've never seen somebody expecting just lay down and not do anything. When you expect something to happen, you're excited, right? 
You're excited about what's going to happen. And so it says, but those who wait on the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him, will mount up on wings as eagles. They will run and never grow weary, and they will walk and never faint. So point number two is we have to wait for his answers and believe in his miracles. Everybody shout number three. I'm going to have the worship team come up. Number three, in order to live a blended life, we have to rejoice in his goodness and relax in his presence. Rejoice in his goodness and relax in his presence. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. This is Paul writing to the church at Philippi. Verse 4 says this, rejoice in the Lord always. When do we rejoice? Say it again. When do we rejoice? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything but in everything. When do we pray? In everything. That means that God is concerned about everything. When I'm feeling frustrated, what do I do? Pray. When I'm feeling like all hope is lost, what do I do? Pray. When I'm needing healing in my body, what do I do? Pray. When my marriage isn't working out like I thought it would, what do I do? Pray. We have to pray in everything. Then it goes on to say, The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. So that shows me when I just seek his face, when I choose to pray, the peace of God, the peace of God will surround me. The peace of God will calm my anxiety. The peace of God will calm my fear. The peace of God will calm my worry. The peace of God will calm every storm that is happening in my life when we choose to pray. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Then it says in verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Don't dwell on the negativity that surrounds you. Don't dwell on the sickness that's in your body. Dwell on the things of God. If you're dealing with sickness in your body, it says in the word of God, what? By his stripes, I've been made whole. If I'm dealing with fear, In the word of God, it says there is no fear in him because perfect love casts out all fear. If I'm dealing with condemnation, it says in Romans 8 that there is therefore now no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus who choose to walk with him. So in order for us to get this thing, to live a blended life, we have to infuse Jesus in our everyday lives, in our thoughts, when we're driving down the road, when we're feeling sad and lonely. We have to infuse him in our everyday thoughts. And I love this this picture. Because when we choose to do that, it's like a child that comes to their dad. 
I think about my baby girl all the time and how when I come home, she reaches out her hands to me. And what do I do in response? I pick her up. And so many times we're walking around with our hands like this, feeling like no one's going to pick us up. But that's not true. God is there to pick you up in every moment of your life if we choose to follow him. It's like sitting in his lap. I picture this all the time when I'm, when I'm doubting him, when I'm frustrated, and when, I'm, when things are going on in my life. I calm myself, and I say, I'm in you. Jesus, I am in you. It's not about me. It's not about what's happening with me, but I'm choosing to rest in you. I'm choosing to believe in you. So my last point is this. We have to rejoice in his goodness. And we have to relax in his presence. It's not, it's not up to you. There's someone that's fighting for you. There's someone that believes in you. I don't know what brought you into this service today, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you and that he cares about you. And he wants you to relax in him. He wants you to infuse him in your everyday routine, in your everyday life. That's why I wanted these points to be so simple. It's because sometimes we just overcomplicate the word of God. And God's just asking you just to, just to bask in my glory, bask in my presence. Trust in me. I got you. I have you. You are in my hand. Nothing can snatch you out of his hand. And so as we're closing this series out, in just a moment, we're going to go back into worship. But as we're closing this series out, I hope that we realize that it's not about balancing each part of our lives with God. With God only being one portion of that balancing act. But it's about a lifestyle of blending him into each and every part of our lives as we continue to allow him in every decision in every decision we make we will see what living a life out of balance really looks like can you stand with me in this moment